Hello and welcome. You're listening to Voices from the Pews, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non-European origin so that we can get to know more about each other's faith, experiences, and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. Friends, today we continue our conversation with the co-hosts of the podcast, Meet Father Rivers, Emily Strand and Eric Stiles. Did you have a chance to hear the first part of our conversation? If so, what did you think? Was there something in particular that touched you? Let us know by sending an email to voicesfromthepewspodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a voicemail at 617-682-0885. If by some chance you haven't heard the previous episode, take a moment and go back and listen. I hope you enjoy listening. He's an interesting person and it seems that not only did he have a huge influence upon composers like Ron Harper and Grayson Warren Brown and many others, but he also had influence and he got to know some other Black Catholic priests. I'm thinking of, for example, Bishop Cherie and um, Cardinal Gregory, among others that mm-hmm. he got to know and he certainly helped them and encourage them in, in their vocation as well. Yes. Yes. And they all look to him as the father, as the father of this whole black Catholic movement. And Eric, wouldn't you say that that's accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. He was the elder. And they also said the things that are also true. Like he was eccentric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he knew how to anger people. He knew how to get under people's skin and be a nuisance. He, um, he wanted yeah. to, what is it? Comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable? Was that Yeah, his? and sometimes he just wanted to be, kind of make things hard to give you, <laughs> to give you a deeper impression of how important the liturgy is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I honestly think that sometimes he was just wanting to be, wanting to take more of people's time and energy and attention just to say, you stop and you focus on this because this is the most important thing important we could thing. be doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. and I, so he had these little whims that he wanted to follow that way. And, you know, but but pe- it's a mark of his talent and his insight, I think, that, pe- that people tolerated it. And, you and, know? They lis- but, and they listened. And they listened. And these figures that you named and, mm-hmm. and I, some of whom have been on our show, you know, have they feel deeply indebted to him, you know, both professionally and personally. Um, He always had time to mentor somebody. He always had time to take you aside and say, you know, you're doing this well. Keep doing that. You know, that was a lot of what he said to me. He didn't he didn't say stop doing this and do this instead. He said, you focus on this because you're doing that well. And that was that's exactly the kind of beautiful comment that a young constructive. Yeah. Constructive comment to to lead them in that that direction that they're already heading, you know. Yeah. And I think that people didn't know what to do with him because he was grand. In, right? in um, every sense also, of the word. With a, yes, yeah. he was, he was, but he was also very, very generous. He liked giving gifts. Mm-hmm. Most people we have to could point to on their wall or some artifact that they had been given that he, and you know, sometimes they were quite expensive. I've got a picture on my wall that he gave me. He just pulled it off his wall and passed it to me. You know, 
So here, this is for you. You know, and so, <laughs> you know. Did he, you shop we, long for this, Father? <laughs> right, right. He looked at it and he said, this is for you, you know. I've got a couple of uh, books of quotes on my uh, on my uh, shelf here that he gave me and had my name embossed on it. Wow. He, he was like the sense of grandeur translated not in, only in the liturgy, but he un- I think he understood that the that these symbolic gestures of gift giving were also in a way an extension of what he believed about who we were. You know, he would call people your grace. That's a story that we tell, right? He calls people your grace. Yes, your grace. Uh, because he said that, like the scriptures say, you are an heir to the throne of God and a co-heir with the Christ, rightfully referred to as his or her grace. So when the archbishop of whichever archbishop it was at the time called him pre-caller ID, right, before we had caller ID, called him on the phone and he answered the phone, yes, your grace. The archbishop asked the question, Clarence, how did you know it was me? And he took great, great pleasure in telling the, the archbishop, I didn't. You know, I didn't know. I it was call you. everybody your grace. Right, right. Including so, like, it's, the it's, little puny yeah. grad student who was just on my porch. That's right. You know, that's right. He's lifting your us. Grace. He's lifting us up, and he's taking the archbishop down a peg. <laughs> right, right. Well, and taking down yeah. a peg anybody who doesn't think that somebody like him or like me could be a bishop, you know, and be worthy yeah. of being called your grace. That's right. I mean, he had these little subversive habits, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he practiced. And that he taught to other people and they were funny too. And they were, yes. they, they met it, they met injustice with, with humor and kind of ridicule. And that doesn't always go over well with people, but it, it went over great with me. Because <laughs> 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 that's my yeah. MO as well. Right. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm well, from him. One of the things that I think you, you've talked about with various people was the shoes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Tell us about the shoes. He had a lot of shoes. He had, I think he had every, because, you know, even back in the day, because you can go online now and you can make up, and I actually made a pair. I've never actually worn them. Maybe one day I will wear them. I made a pair in honor of him. I don't think they're that great. I had a pair of Converse Converse, uh, made in honor of him. I might try try again. We'll see. But but that he loved shoes. He loved clothes. He loved all those kinds of things, right? He wore jewelry. He had his, when I first saw him, he had his head shaved with the horn rim glasses and a goatee and jewels on on all his fingers and a big, big diamond cross. earrings, diamond, big diamond earrings on his ears. He has both two, two real studs in his ears. Uh, and, uh, and of course he had, in this case, he had on patent leather, shiny patent leather filas, red, blood red filas. Oh, uh, but. Right? Yes. It, at the liturgy. Of course. Right? At the liturgy. Where, where else uh, would you wear? It, where, else, right? where are you going? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yes, you You're go. a little priest. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But also, too, like, this is, that, this is how important the liturgy is, right? Mm-hmm. That you would put out your finest. And for him, it, that was what it was. That was his so finest. So he had, like, boxes upstairs in his house. He had boxes of Converse in every color. And I remember coming to his house once, and he... And I, it must have been either Labor Day or Memorial Weekend because I kid you not, he was wearing red, white, and blue shorts and a T-shirt or maybe like a jet, a shirt over top the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he had this, this that Catholic Art Award. I don't know if you remember that, Emily. He had a beautiful, real gold cross that he had been given as an award that he wore every day. 
It's a, you know, a cross, maybe two inches across. Um, that he'd be given as an award, a Catholic Art uh, Association Award. And, and he like, wore that every day. That meant and, a lot uh, to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, he... He and he was wearing, of course, red and red, white, and blue uh, Converse, you know. And I don't know. I probably made some comment, and he was like, you know, I can be patriotic too, right? Like, well, of course you can. Yeah, he, right. he had an outfit right. for everything. So right. he's, he was he's had a large personality, and the 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 shoes were just one way in which he tipped his hand in, mm-hmm. in a sense. Says, you know, I know, I know that I'm different from you from from other people. I. It's a way of him taking pleasure in that, I think. And, and, and enjoying the fact that I am different. I am myself. And yes. right. here I am. But here don't I forget am. the whole, the the meaning behind the red. Because red was his favorite color, it seemed to me. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I often, in fact, one of, the, one of the times that I showed up at his house, I think it was the first time, he opened the front door and he was wearing, it's my first meeting of him, he was wearing bright red shorts, Bright red T-shirt, bright red hat, bright red Converse, All-Stars. But the thing about each piece is that each piece had a decal of flames going on the sides of the hat, down the sleeves of the T-shirt, and down the sides of the shorts, and then flames running along the sides of the Converse. So it was a whole outfit that was red with the flames. And Lord. I think he probably wore it for my benefit because he knew we were going to be talking about the liturgy. And his emphasis in the liturgy was the work of the spirit. And so red shoes particularly became a favorite of his, especially a favorite to wear at liturgy because they, for him, reminded him and everybody around him of the working of the spirit in the liturgy. Exactly. And so and then the, I think the other thing to really note about it his concern with appearance wasn't van. I don't think it was vanity particularly because I don't think he had any kind of eh, maybe a little bit, you know, but <laughs> I don't think he had any particularly particular love of his own f- form, you know, but I think what it was for him was a radical expression of dignity. And and this trickles up to not just the clothes and his appearance, but even his insistence on calling people your grace and being called that as well. His insistence on not being put down by other people and mm-hmm. having people who disparaged what he was trying to do answered, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and again, he could have remained silent in a lot of situations and not angered some people. But he felt that cl- he, he had a strong claim on his own dignity. And that is something that I have had to. I mean, you know, he had swagger. He swaggered, you know, but it was the swagger wasn't arrogance. It was this expression of his own, this insistence upon the recognition of his own dignity. And it wasn't just for his sake. It was the dignity of everybody who was like him in any way. Right. Um, and, and being in, the first, he right. had to carry that. Right. No one was going to carry it for him. Right. He <laughs> you know? had to carry it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I want to know, um, I mean, absolutely eccentric. And he had a sense of himself and he had a way of presenting himself to say, I'm here. And don't forget it. Uh, yeah. And don't forget it. I'm here. Yeah. And I remember in high school, there was a, um, a friend's mother. We were sitting around the table and I don't even remember the discussion. And I remember her saying, when you walk into a room, you walk into the room because you need to, everyone needs to know that you belong there. 
and you are not to be excluded. Yeah. Um, and, and she was that kind of a person, you know, when she walked into a room, you know, she just had that way about her that said, I'm here. I'm and here. it sounded like the way he dressed, the way he acted, that was his way of saying, I'm here. I don't want you to forget it. And I don't want you to deny my ability and capacity to be able to walk into a room and, and to and be feel, part of this conversation. And to be part of this conversation. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And there was yeah. there was also no place where he didn't belong. So like he wasn't bound to only so-called act black or act Catholic or act white. You know, he loved black culture and Edward Hawkins. He worked with the uh, Hawkins family on a project years ago as much as he loved Shakespeare and Dunbar, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And as much as he loved, you know, Gregorian chant. As much as he loved all those things that were human, I think was that's an important part that I think can be missed. That he was, yes, he was the father of Black Catholic liturgy, without a doubt. Uh, but he was interested especially in American liturgy broadly and liturgy in general. He studied in France. He spent time in East and West Africa. And he was interested in an American liturgical experience and that was nothing was foreign to him. He could bring in Old 100th Hymn, which was one of his favorite hymn tunes, Old mm -hmm. 100th, and Black liturgical music or Black gospel music in the same liturgy. And they lived together in his mind and heart happily in that space. But, it, but I think in liturgy, yeah. that's how it should be, because I think if we look at the tradition within the Catholic Church, I mean, we have thousands of years of musical tradition that we should celebrate and rejoice and bring into the liturgy. Um, yeah. And they, they can coexist. You won't find us disagreeing with you. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that that's true. And I think he, he was somebody who always questioned those divisions, you know, unfortunately he got kind of relegated to being a black Catholic figure you know, as in like his work is really for the benefit of black Catholics. And of course it was, but there was a message there for the entire church and the entire tradition. And and yes, maybe focusing on North America, but not bound by it because he really felt that, yeah, this is a very rich Catholic small C tradition. I heard the Catholic Church described this week by somebody on Twitter as one of the most global institutions that's ever existed. You know, not truly Catholic. global. <laughs> What's that? Are they Catholic? Yeah, they are Catholic. I think they were kind of trying to make an argument for like the importance of the church and the sort of non-dismissal of the church. It's like mm -hmm. at, at the very least, we have to look at this as this very global institution that's been global for 2000 years, you know, um, in some sense. And so but it was interesting. But but I think that that's how he would have thought of it as well. And, and he would have thought of, you know, with the understanding that we should create an aesthetic integrity in the liturgy. At the same time, that does not exclude Old Hundredth and and a, a gospel song or a, a spiritual, you know, in the same liturgy. Um, they should yes. have equal weight and respect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I stand corrected. It is Old Hundredth and not Old One Hundredth. Oh, Old Hundredth. Oh, old Hundredth, yes. Correct. You were correct. You were oh, correct. okay. Yeah. Okay. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's Something it. like that. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. That's We'll continue with our conversation in a moment, but first, we'd love to hear your voice. Send an email to voicesfromthepewspodcast at gmail.com. 
or call and leave a message at 617-682-0885. Hi, this is Byron Lee of superblink.org. And if you're hearing my voice right now, you're most likely a big fan of podcasts. You might even be thinking about starting your own. If you're on the fence about that, here's some statistics that might help you make up your mind. Did you know that 55% of the U.S. population has listened to a podcast in the last year? Podcasts are an excellent opportunity to take a deep dive into specific topics, interview people in your industry, or just chat with friends. Superblink is a proud sponsor of the Penny Forward podcast. For more information, visit superblink.org. You're listening to Voices from the Pews. Welcome back to our conversation. Okay, so I, I want to ask just a couple more questions. And mm-hmm. one of them is the connection to Cardinal Gregory. Can you share that with us? Can you tell us that story? So we'll plug our, uh, what episode was that? Emily? 11. 11. We'll plug our uh, podcast and say, if you really want to hear, go to the podcast and hear from Cardinal Gregory's own mouth. I met the Cardinal uh, about a year ago. And so I had the chance to say to him in person, hey, we're doing this. You may have heard about this podcast. We'd love to have you at some point. He said, oh, yes, sure. Call me. Let me know. And so we made contact with his office and they, and they confirmed that he was interested. And so we interviewed him for episode 11. And he told the story of, of knowing Father Rivers and Father Rivers being a school child at the time and being told that Father Rivers' music was written in the style of Wilton's people. Yeah, he and was only that, black. I think it was yeah, seminary. I think it was high school yeah, seminary. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was early on. It may have been yeah. grade school, but it may have been high school. But he heard the music and was very, very, I think, uh, proud, proud and kind of, you know, uh, how would you describe it, Emily? Uh, yeah, not marginalized at all, but rather just feeling very yeah. proud that because he said he said not only, you know, the teacher said that and kind of singled him out and said this music is from Wilton's people, you know, which could have been a marginalizing experience. But then Cardinal Gregory said the music was so beautiful and everybody was so impressed by the beauty of the music that it was just a feather in his cap, you know, that that this this kind of positive attention was coming his way with regard to, you know, an entry from his own culture, you know, a, a, you know, an artistic um, entry from his own culture. And so, so yeah, so I think he, he didn't meet Father Rivers until much later um, yeah. through he was a work. priest, I think, yeah. Yeah, through work with various dioceses and, and on the a national level, et cetera. And, you know, Cardinal Gregory is just a, a bright light and a, a just an astounding talent. He he had kind of a meteoric rise in the church, and and at a certain point he got tapped to go over to to Rome and to get this very prestigious liturgy doctoral degree, and uh, and he said, uh, yeah, Father Rivers called him up and just wanted to let him know, you know, okay, you, you're going to have that degree, but I'm still the artist. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, Carl, yeah. Carl was like, okay, uh, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll totally yeah. live what, with that. Right, and what would you say to that anyway, right? <laughs> right. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, he was Because he, he said he was, was true. Right. Yeah, was and it was, yeah. it was true, was and, and not just not just the elder, but also the artist. Yes. Right. You know, I mean, there's a difference between a scholar and an artist. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or, or, or what Clarence was called a, a liturgiologist and a, a liturgiologist. Yeah. Right. Yes, and right. a liturgist, someone and who liturgist. does liturgy. They, mm-hmm. They're expert at right. doing liturgy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, given, we'll say, too, that Cardinal Gregory has, and I have noticed this about him, he hasn't had the chance to write maybe as much as he would have if he had uh, not been made a bishop and had, uh, you know, pa- this kind of really heavy pastoral responsibility, but he has written. And there are signs, like, for example, he is a very good preacher, Mm-hmm. He has a beautiful voice, even yes. though he says that he doesn't read music. He has a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And if you watch really closely, and I have, he has a very specific liturgical aesthetic. Yes. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, he sometimes he's wearing his own vestments that, that belong to him, and you can tell that they're a little different from... Mm-hmm. Um, from maybe what is in the cathedral or from the parish that he's presiding at. So mm-hmm. I think that like he had a sense of that quality. And I'll even tell you one thing. I remember being told years ago uh, that, you know, Cardinal Gregory, when he was Wilton Gregory, uh, he still is Wilton Gregory, had vanity plates <laughs> Oh, <laughs> with, his, with the word, with the name Wilton. Nice. Plates, right? Why not? Uh, Right. And so this is like the other part that I find really great about this is that Mm -hmm. it it brings a kind of blackness, a cultural Mm -hmm. blackness Mm -hmm. of a little bit of ostentatiousness or a little flash. This is a little flash of of, this is this is me. I'm here. Yeah. That expression of dignity. I love it. I admire it. I I love that. I think that's awesome. Now, um, you have started this podcast and. Um, you've been doing some other projects in regards to helping us to learn more about Father Clarence Rivers. What have you been doing in regards to visiting some of the places where he has done ministry, some of the places where he's worked, where he's composed? What What are some of those projects and what will that look like in the future? Oh, these are such great questions. <laughs> Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, yeah we've done so, workshops. Yeah, uh, we've 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 presented um, at least once. We hope to do that some more. We we love to take this show on the road. Um, so and, anyone who wants to bring us in, please, yeah. please, you know, just call. You know, send yes, us please. A flight, send, send us a plane ticket. We're, we're on our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we presented at the National Pastoral Musicians Association National Conference um, this past June. June, yes. Um, or July. And um, Eric was there in person. I was stuck at home with COVID. Uh, mm. But we did. We did. We, we were able to do that. And so um, and then just after Christmas last year, we met up with a photojournalist, Jonathan Kelso, who's done a lot of really wonderful work on on race uh, in U.S. history and his photojournalism. And he, he, he had a great interest. He's a Catholic and he had a, a great interest in Father Rivers and, and sort of approached us. And so we've kind of collaborated with him just sort of in an informal collegial way to help tell the story. And Jonathan helps lead us to people sometimes. Sometimes we lead him to people um, who have stories to tell about Father Rivers and Father Rivers' story. And so he's kind of he kind of hangs in the background. We always mention him on the podcast. He kind of hangs in the background to help us, you know, think about different directions for the podcast and different people to talk to. And so we're really grateful for Jonathan and his presence. And, and I, you know, that could turn into some kind of future project, whether it be of Jonathan's or a, a collaboration amongst us, but we we really we really don't know yet. But we did get together just after Christmas last year, and we we went down to Cincinnati. We we stayed together. We kind of you know 
bonded and prayed together and talked together about Father. Listen yeah. to his music watch and Star Trek. Together. Watch Star Trek. Oh. Also, that's the whole subtext of this podcast. Is he a, tre- is, is he a Trekkie or are you the Trekkie? Or I should both, say Trekker. We're all three Trekkies or Trekkies yeah. or Trek- Trekker. Trekker. Yeah, I think yeah. Trekkers Trekkie. less embrace, embrace problematic. The nerd. Embrace <laughs> the nerd. Absolutely. I don't want to embrace a, a, an insult, though. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, no, I, it I'm is not an Trekkie. insult. No, okay, no, good. no. Just, okay. just claim it. It's yours. I'm, I'm new to it. So I'm, I'm still learning about all about Trek. So. Um, so yeah, so we got together and we had a great time and we went, we were able to visit Father Rivers. I think Jonathan visited Father Rivers' grave. I already had, and I think Eric already had, but we visited St. Joseph's Church. We, we did conducted some interviews. We visited Grailville, which was really great. I'd never been there. We run, went around to a lot of um, places that were significant to Father Rivers and, and we kind of just set a vision for, for the future. And and you know, again, what that results in in future, we're we're all still open, um, you know. But I think we are kind of letting the letting the spirit lead. Maybe we should start wearing red shoes. I don't know. Well, I think that's a thing. Uh, absolutely, why not? <laughs> red shoes and um, really wonderful outfits. If we want to listen, meet Father Clarence Rivers. Where can we go to listen? And how can we get in touch with you? So the official title is Meet Father Rivers. So his Clarence is actually not part of the title. So so you can search for that. And Father is spelled out. So Meet Father Rivers. So you can search for that any place you get your podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those major platforms for podcasts. It is right there. And our Gmail address is Meet Father Rivers. Again, Father spelled out at gmail.com so if folks want to get in touch with us with ideas for episodes or stories to tell about father rivers we're very passionate about uh, including people's stories as they can and some we have a little bit of a backlog so i apologize to those people who are still stuck in my gmail inbox (laughs) waiting for their zoom (laughs) some of them are scheduled now which is really good but um uh yeah so so we we love it we're on social media i am really bad about posting a lot on social media but sometimes people send me really wonderful historic photographs and so a lot of times i'll share those on social media Mm -hmm. um especially when they i kind of coincide with the subject matter of a particular episode and so it's so it's good. So we've 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 been able to connect with some new listeners. I think that way, just getting this these bits and bobs out. You know, podcast is hard to share the sure. visual stuff. So so the social media helps with that. Sure. So. Well, I'll post your links in the show notes as well, so that folks can get in touch with you. And so you. I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me about Father Rivers and um, just. I feel like we've all learned who he is and I hope that more of us get to find out about him and about what he strove to do in regards to uh, liturgy and music. Yes. Thank you for having I us. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the second part of the conversation with Emily Strand and Eric Stiles about Father Clarence Rufus Joseph Rivers, Jr., who was one of the early composers of music in English or the liturgy. He absolutely loved the Mass and had a deep desire that all who were present for the Mass would not leave not having been moved or transformed in some way. To continue to learn more about his legacy, go to the show notes at voicesfromthepews.com. Please follow us on Facebook, 
and Instagram at Voices from the Pews. You can find Meet Father Rivers wherever you listen to podcasts. A very special thanks goes out to Emily Strand and Eric Stiles from Meet Father Rivers for being with us today. In our next episode, you can hear our conversation with Michael Howard from Eat the Scroll Ministries. Thank you for listening to Voices from the Pews, produced by Lorna DeRose. Audio editing and post-production by Byron Lee. Music composed and performed by Andre Louis. Social media assistance provided by Jacqueline Brunash. Web hosting provided by Beyond the Brand. Connect with us at VoicesFromThePews.com. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.